One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, to say the Bucks looked like a deer in the headlights in the first half at Atlanta Sunday would be an insult to the deer. I mean, they were bad. Then Tom Brady let a comeback for the ageless down 24-7 to in the second half. They rally with 31 points, and they go ahead and they beat the Falcons 31-27. What's with these mind-numbing slow starts? What was said at halftime, and what adjustments did they make? We'll discuss all of that with Joey Knight on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, we're just a couple. That's right, a couple days away from Christmas. Come on, you knuckleheads. I know what you're doing. You're waiting to go out and visit Old Northeast Jewelers and get that beautiful jewelry piece for your loved one right before Christmas. Well, luckily for you, Old Northeast Jewelers has two locations. The original store, of course, on 4th Street in St. Pete. has been there for years. But now they have a brand-new store in Hyde Park. The address is 1607 West Swan Avenue in beautiful Hyde Park Village in Tampa, now, don't forget, uh, Old Northeast Jewelers has uh, online consultations uh, if you need some advice and free delivery to your door for jewelry, for rings, and luxury watches. And if you still need some money for the holidays, you're in luck because Old Northeast Jewelers is always buying fine jewelry and luxury watches that you can trade those in and get a brand new piece to, that you'll have something new uh, for your loved ones. So make sure that you uh, check out Old Northeast Jewelers. You still have time to do so. The St. Pete location on 4th Street, and then the new one now at 1607 West Swan Avenue in beautiful Hyde Park Village. Hey, folks, I, while I was on Twitter during the game, there was a 1,000 uh, exchanges and a million questions I couldn't get to, but guess what? You're lucky. With Christmas coming up, we're going to have a mailbag segment. You can get those in to us as soon as they pop in your head. Already got some flowing in, but do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address, if you prefer, is rstroud at tampabay.com. All right, Joey Knight, um, man, this is, uh, this is sort of the, the comeback of comebacks here. Uh, we've seen Tom Brady do this to other teams. We've certainly seen the Atlanta Falcons lose their share of heartbreakers and under Raheem Morris as well. But i got to be honest with you, I, the way this team played in the first half – they couldn't beat anybody, much less the Atlanta Falcons or, God forbid, if they get in the postseason, a, a, a playoff team. And yet, Joey, there was something about how explosive this team was in the second half that makes you believe that there's still time for them to get it together. And if they do, maybe Bruce Arians is right. They can do any damn thing they want. You know, I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this, Rick, ever since the game ended because these slow starts have long since become chronic they've been outscored 59 to 7 in the first quarter over their last six games either the Mm -hmm. last five or six games they've been outscored 59 to 7 in the first quarter and this may be a little far-fetched but i'm starting to think or tell me if you agree with me do you think it's a mindset that the guys go in there with like hey we got brady we'll we'll be fine And, and they don't they don't put the foot on the gas right at the outset because they know they've got the goat in the huddle and that he's going to rally them as he has countless times before. You know, we'll be fine. Devin White said something after the game. And I'm paraphrasing here, but 
somebody asked him, you know, did you guys panic or anything of that nature? That, that was the kind of question he said, we don't panic because we know we're good. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically that's what he said. Close. I'm, starting, yeah. I'm starting to think, is that the reason for the slow starts? Because they know they've got the goat on their team and he will bail them out eventually. I don't know that you're far off. I haven't really, you know, gotten too deep in the psychology of that. But there is, there is obviously, uh, it's, here's the thing. Devin's right. They have plenty of talent. In fact, in some ways, they may have too much talent. And we've talked about mm-hmm. that, how, you know, they kept adding pieces, including Antonio Brown. But now, you know, there, there's only two games remaining in this 16-game season, right? So whether you had training camp or you were at Berkeley or not at Berkeley, Hell, even Antonio Brown, who was the latest guy to join the team, has been here long enough to know what he's supposed to do and have some kind of chemistry with Tom Brady. I do think that there is something um, to the fact that um, they feel like and have watched Brady do this for them and for other teams, that maybe the urgency isn't there until until you know they're, they're down by 17, which we've seen a couple times. But it's a horrible way to start games. And I, I also think, though, that, you know, this is the thing, Joey. There's always a player too, and I thought Bruce Arians honed it on the one that changed it for me. Look, the Falcons won the coin toss and elected to take the ball. Right? Yep. You don't see that yep. very much. They didn't want to kick it off. They didn't. They didn't want to you know, go for the extra possession. You know, which is what the analytics say. And Devin White said something that was interesting. He said, "You know what? I took that as the ultimate insult." And when the ball was snapped, the first two plays. They were flying around and drilling people. And it was third yeah. and nine. Third and nine to start a game against a team that is going nowhere, that has been struggling, that's four and nine. And you miss a tackle on a check down, a routine check down, and allow them to get a, a first down in three more plays. That's all it took. They were able to get into rhythm. Matt Ryan hit like, I don't know, eight or nine of his first ten passes. And they were in the end zone. Now it's a different complexion. Now you're trailing in the game, which is something they have done during these six games for the most part, and everything is everybody gets a little tight. Um, they had some changes on the offense. Obviously, Leonard Fournette was in for, for Ronald Jones. They had uh, Josh Wells starting at left tackle. So they had some things to overcome. What I would say is that this is a coaching problem. Now, I know players play, and they got to execute, and it's a player's game. I get all that. But – Joey, I saw them not prepared for some of the A-gap blitzes that they faced early in the game that gave them trouble. And, in fact, I'm not sure why Atlanta called them off. Um, But, you know, it's too much of a trend for me to start games the way they are on both sides of the ball for sure, but mostly on offense because if you you don't pick up first downs, if you can't convert on third down, you're putting your defense back on the field way too much against anybody. And so – I think that Byron Leftwich has just had a horrible time finding the right sort of combination of, of plays that they can make that, that, that go, you know, when, when they see that the, you know, the picture isn't exactly the way they anticipated, they're too slow to make adjustments at times. You, you know, it's funny, Rick, the two former Bucks coaches, Raheem Morris and Dirk Cutter, I don't think there's any question. They outcoached the current Bucks staff for the first half of that of that ball no game. doubt no doubt and I, I i'm like you i don't know why raheem called off the dogs in terms of the blitzes now mm. you mentioned josh wells was starting in place of donovan smith at left tackle but that certainly wasn't the crux of their issues up front they just no. you know they they just weren't prepared 
for for what Raheem had dialed up, it looked like to me. Right. And, you know, we, we go back, we, we've criticized, God bless him, we've criticized Byron Leftwich all year just for his lack of diversity, if you will, in terms of in terms of the pre-stat motion and the, the lack of the play action. And we didn't see a heck of a lot of play action again today. We, we saw a little bit more of the motion like we saw last week against the Vikings, but I don't recall a whole heck of a lot of play action. I, I may be mistaken, but, you know, I, I agree with you. I think this is a coaching issue. And, you know, whatever adjustments that Todd Bowles and Arians, I don't know. I would love to be in that locker room at halftime just oh, to find out you? the dynamics of what's going on and who is talking. Not only right. what's being said, but who is talking that causes everything just to change on a dime when you go out in the second half. But I'll tell you what, this kind of nonsense isn't going to hold up when you're opening the playoffs at Green Bay or in Seattle or wherever heck the heck they're going to be. You know, it's... Something's got to give, you know, in terms of the outset of these games, in terms of how they script coming out, in terms of how they're, they're prepared. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and fortunately for them, at a time when they need to win all these games, and, and by the way, I know it's remote, but the Bucks still are not out of the NFC South race. The, the New Orleans Saints lost to Kansas City. Now, the Bucks would have to win their next two, and the Saints would have to lose their next two to Minnesota and Carolina. Not likely, um, right. but... That's why you play the games. Nonetheless, um, yeah, you know, I, I just, I do think it's that there's, there's something uh, uh, to it. I, I do think that they have to make adjustments quicker. They did make them on the defensive side. Yes. And without the stops, Brady just simply doesn't get the ball back enough times. Look, they scored every possession they had in the second half and needed to until the final kneel down. And, the reason they, they got the stops is that, and, and, and a lot, little of this is on Dirk Cutter, unfortunately, the adjustment Todd Bowles made was he realized that they were in mass protection. I, I had talked mm-hmm. to Cutter early in the week. He was really concerned about the Bucks' defensive front, concerned about those pass rushers. So right. what he did was he kept running backs in. He chipped with some tight ends. He did some things. But what that does is it, it, it prevents you from getting a lot of guys into the routes. So even though Calvin Ridley, they never really stopped, um, they were able to double him a little bit, but they doubled him with guys, the safeties over the top, but then the corners also playing tighter coverage, playing man-to-man, not being off the receiver, being closer to him um, and, and, and to, to both outside receivers. So that gave their pass rush a little bit more time. And when the running back would stay in in those passing downs, Devin White's responsibility in, in pass coverage was the running back. So anytime mm-hmm. he was staying in to block in, as part of that eight-man protection, Devin White found a way to run through some gaps, and he sacked Matt Ryan three times. It's the second time this year he's had three sacks in a game. Those sacks couldn't have come at bigger times and absolutely turned around the second half. Three times in the last nine minutes. They all came in the last nine minutes of the game. Two of them snuffed out Falcons drives when they were deep in their own territory late in the game. But the probably the most significant one, was his first his first sack it came right after Antoine Winfield made what I consider the defensive oh, play of the game play of the game going up following um following Ridley on that sail route into the left corner of the end zone and somehow lunging his left paw out and deflecting the ball that was on second down that that could have made it I, I believe that would have made it 31 to 24 but yeah. Winfield saved a touchdown then on third down white came back on a blitz and just like you said you know they were in max protection and i think it was Gurley back there 
trying yep. to block and, um, you know, White him. came right through a gap and got Matt Ryan and that forced him into a field goal. And the next thing you know, Brady gets the ball back and flings one to Antonio Brown. And, you know, that's pretty much your ball game. But yeah, the, the defensive adjustments made by Bowles were very impressive to say the least. But uh, yeah, White, White was the catalyst and uh, Bowles even, according to Devin, Bowles even said, Hey, I need you to go in there and light it up for us. I, I, you're going to make some plays down the stretch. And I'm paraphrasing again. And Devin, Devin told him, I know I'm ready. This is going to be my night. And darn, if it wasn't, those three sacks came in the last nine minutes of the ball game. He's got eight. And of course, six of them came in two games, but for a linebacker on this team to have eight sacks is, is pretty unprecedented. Um, right. They've gotten contributions from everybody, but um, for him as a pass rusher and a playmaker, but he also had 12 tackles. I think he had three tackles for a loss had a couple of pass defense. I mean, this guy filled up a stat sheet. Uh, this yeah. was his this was his breakout game. And if they can get impact players like Devin White, like Antoine Winfield, who I think has been amazing. You know, the one thing that that Arians pointed out about Winfield's play is that, you know, he was beaten. I mean, he he the ball was in the air a while. And yes. most guys most guys would think I've just got to put it into another gear and not play the football. They would just go as fast as they could to the receiver and hope that they're in the area. He actually got there and, and was able to actually get a hand on it and, and deflect. I all but had my hands in the air. I think the referees did too. That, that looked like it was going right to Ridley, and he was just going to walk out of the back of the end zone with it until the very last second. So that play was huge. Takes four points off the board. That's the only points that the Falcons did score on the field goal uh, in the third quarter, and it was a long one. But – um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think defensively, you know, being able to lock it down is, uh, is, is what gave them, you know, the chance to come back. Um, but listen, this team, you know, I, when, when I, when I talked early in the week and I wrote about this on Sunday in the Tampa Bay times, uh, I had spoken with Rich McKay a little bit and he reminded me that, you know, this is the time of year where teams can get hot, right? If they don't and they make the playoffs, then you're usually one and done in the postseason. We saw Tony Dungy do that a bunch of years, go to Philadelphia and die in the opening mm-hmm. wild card round, what have you, because they simply couldn't score any points. Scoring mm-hmm. points is not a problem for this football team. It's right. just keeping their offense on the field and keeping their defense off. But, you know, if it, in, in, in 1999, um, it was not a good offense. They were a defensive-led team, obviously. Um, right. But they, they got hot enough to get themselves all the way to the NFC Championship game, where they lost, ironically enough, with not enough offense, 11-6, to and that was the Bert Emanuel catch and all of that. But they went deep all the way to the championship. And in 2002, people may not remember, they were horrible on offense. They won games mm-hmm. with five field goals against Carolina. I can recall them, you know, it, it, that was the old give us 17 uh, <laughs> refrain that the defense had, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a winner. And they were not playing well until the very end of the year. And then when they got in the postseason, um, they absolutely you know, lit up San Francisco. And they were able to go to, to uh, Philadelphia where they had lost earlier in the year. And Gruden gained some knowledge from that game. Um, and they had a great plan for the Eagles. And, and of course, the rest is history because they played the Raiders and the defense took that game over with five turnovers. But the point is, some teams are, have already gotten hot, Right. Um, right. I think the Rams are one of those teams that have found their stride. I think that I think the three teams they've lost to recently. I think the Kansas City Chiefs have been good all year. They hit a little bit of lull. They're hot again, right? Uh, right? We'll see what happens to the Saints now that Drew Brees is back. 
They did lose to the Chiefs, but they were very competitive in that game to the very end, to say the least. But yes. if the Bucks can be one of those teams, if they can turn 30 minutes of, of that sort of passion on both sides of the ball and execution into 60 minutes of it, no one's ever doubted their talent. And now you have demonstrated on film that Antonio Brown, if you run three streaks down the middle of the field and the safety has to make a decision, somebody is going to beat somebody deep. And I, I just think that they could gain a lot of confidence. But until they do it, it's, it is sort of a mental block for them the way they start games. It, it's all about the complete game. I, I agree with everything you said. They have shown that the, the potential and the ability to get hot, but it's a matter of getting hot for 60 minutes. And I don't care if you do it against, you know, a kind of a, a lamed up team like the Lions next week or in this rematch against the Falcons in two weeks. Bucks fans just need to, to see that complete game to feel comfortable going into the playoffs. And Rick, I, I, I don't know how you coach that. Uh, you know, I'm sure Bruce Arians and his staff have have preached this and sermonized on this week oh, after week sure. and meeting after virtual meeting about the need to, 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 to start fast, and it's not happening. And I don't know how you coach it, how you reiterate it anymore, but, but something's got to change, as, as we talked about from the outset, because it's just not going to cut it, you know, when, when you have to go play somewhere, you know, presuming the Bucks will have to open open the postseason on the road somewhere, it's not going to cut it. So we can talk all we want about how this team has shown the ability to score in bunches and get hot, but until they do it over the course of a 60-minute game, it's really a moot point. That's true, and yet there were some really good performances in this game, um, and, and they needed them, obviously, all the way in the second half. I mean, Brady winds up throwing for 390 right. yards. That's a season high, by the way, right. and the two touchdowns. How about Mike Evans bouncing back, uh, made some combat catches, made one down to the one-yard line where he took an absolute shot in the head, but he yeah. had six receptions for 110 yards on just seven targets, uh, including a 32-yarder, a couple 25, 26-yarders on that one drive to get him in the end zone. Of course, we mentioned Fournette stepped in, and even though he didn't rush for, for a big average, he did have a couple of touchdowns. He averaged only 3-5 a carry, uh, but yeah. those two scores at the one-yard line were big. Uh, and Antonio Brown, listen, who you wrote about um, in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, five catches. Uh, this is a season-high 93 yards. Of course, you get 46 of them in the big chunk. He averages 18.5 yards a catch and or so, and he'd, he'd come in averaging less than nine. You know, we have talked about Scotty Miller, and he has been sort of the guy that's made all the plays down the field. He played a little bit. He had three catches for 20 yards. Um, but Brown – you know, had not really done anything. I mean, he's sort of been an afterthought. They've thrown some 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 smoke screens out to him. They've done, you know, some right. things underneath, but nothing down the field. And some of that has been Brady just missing him because he's missed some deep throws, including those to Brown. But but for a guy who absolutely knows what playoff football is about, for a guy who knows what December football is about, um, when you combine him and Brady, even at their ages – there's no question that their 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 talents haven't eroded to the point where they can't still scare the hell out of a defensive coordinator, and you know again scoring that many points in the second half shows you what they're capable of, but it's a deeper story for Brown because this is his last chance. You know he he screwed up. We know how much he screwed up, and you know I I think you know he had a moment, if you will, when he got in the end zone because he hadn't been there in a long time. 
You, you know what? This is what I wrote about Rick. It was a rewarding game for him, not a redemptive game. You can't redeem yourself on the football field for anything you might have done off the field. So right. I, I'm careful not to use the term redemption. I hate that. But it was a rewarding game. As Bruce Arians said, it's something that that Antonio Brown needed. And I think an organization that kind of stuck its neck out for this guy, even yeah. though they, you know, he agreed to a bargain basement deal, they they kind of put their their reputation on the line and went out on a limb to, to sign this guy, hoping that he would kind of be that final cog in their Super Bowl push. They needed to see something like this. And you, you mentioned it. He had had a, a lot of targets to this point. He was averaging about five receptions a game, but none of his receptions were of consequence in those first five games he played. Today, obviously, the game winner on that simple go route, he needed that. The team needed that. It was just, it was very rewarding. And, you know, something like this, who knows how that can, that can buoy a player going yes. forward. Antonio Absolutely. Brown, you know, for lack of a better term, Antonio Brown just needed that catch. I think the organization needed it. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, going forward, just what this does for him and the offense. There are some things, though, that need to get fixed and fixed in a hurry. And we, we talked about, you know, how really most of the sacks, if not all of them, uh, came, you know, from, from blitzes to the linebackers. They did a good job of shutting down Shaq Barrett. And I didn't hear Jason Pierre-Paul's name pretty much the whole game. So game records they took out of it. But on the back end, some coverage was lacking, particularly Sean Murphy Bunting, who has had Ooh. to step in and play a lot more uh, outside, you know, his original job was sort of as that nickel corner when when teams went to three wide receivers. Jamel Dean has been hurt. He had the concussion. Then he had a groin injury. We didn't know how much he would play. And unfortunately for the Bucks, I think they suffered another loss in a groin injury with Carlton Davis. So Murphy Bunting has now been put in, in a pretty, you know, pivotal role of playing a lot of snaps and really playing them all. And he got turned around a couple times by Calvin Ridley. Really, both touchdowns um, looked to be guys that that he initially had coverage on, and then yeah. sort of lost. And and you know, all I can remember is last year there came a point in the last quarter of the season where he really hit his stride. He got his swag back, and and that's what we've been waiting to see from him. Um, but it just hasn't happened. And if it doesn't happen, I just don't think they're deep enough back there you know, to to sort of survive it. I think they need all three of those corners to play big. I think their safeties have played very well. They probably dropped an interception, um, you know, with Jordan Whitehead uh, that, that he would have liked to have caught. Um, but overall, I mean, I really do believe that, you know, those are young guys that are no longer young. They're in their second years, but at the end of their second years, they've got to play better um, to, to, to beat these better teams. Now, they got a bunch of tomato cans, uh, Joey. I mean, you know, this <laughs> is the thing. You play the Detroit Lions, who, you know, I mean, they have Matthew Stafford. They have good weapons on offense, um, but not a team with a great record. Another interim coach situation there. Uh, And then you got the Atlanta Falcons again at home in the season finale. uh, And you certainly know what they're all about. And they're going to want to get even for, you know, blowing that lead. So, you know, this is an opportunity for them to possibly run the table. They're halfway there. And if they do, if they if they wind up going into the postseason having won four in a row, and and they can play a complete game in one of these last two, who's to say uh, in this NFC that that they can't go somewhere on the road and 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 you know make a run of it? Because 
at the end of the day, their road record has actually been better than their home record this year. Right. We just got to be careful, you know, that we're not deceiving ourselves. No. You go back to you go back to last week against Minnesota and Dan Bailey kind of gift wrapped that game to the Bucks. He did. He did. You you talk about you talk, Rick, about how the secondary was was a bit exploited today. Uh, Atlanta didn't have Julio Jones, so yeah, you know that that kind of you know. Imagine, imagine if they had Ridley and Jones because Ridley had ten catches for one hundred and sixty three yards. Um. So mm-hmm. you can you know how. <laughs> When all your attention is really should be on one guy, what would you right. do if they had Jones as well? So, you know, uh, I, if I'm a Bucks fan, uh, I'm concerned like you w- with this secondary going forward. And again, maybe they can get away with it against a lamed up team if they're going to play Saturday. And then, you know, you follow it up with the rematch against the Falcons. But Dean is coming off that concussion. Carlton Davis had a little groin injury today, even though I thought he played pretty darn well. Uh, finished with nine tackles and a, and a and a pass deflection, and then Murphy Bunning, as as you you know, as you just kind of chronicled his struggles today. So, you know, a complete game would be good, but you know we, we've seen these last two games a great comeback today. Uh, the previous week, the kicker kind of gift wrapped a win for him. So, what am I trying to say? I think I'm just trying to say, if I'm a Bucks fan, just to to tread carefully. Yes, this team still has the GOAT. Yes, if this team can put together a complete game for 60 minutes, there's no telling what it could do. But I I guess seeing is believing. We need to see that 60-minute game. We need just to stop seeing these lulls, especially early on. That's the big big takeaway if I'm a Bucs fan going into these final two contests. Just show it to me for 60 minutes. Give me one complete game then I'd feel a lot better going into the postseason. And if I'm a Bucks fan, I don't turn on the TV until at least the second quarter, maybe halftime, <laughs> because there's really nothing to see the way they've started games. Even having said all of this, and I think we're spot on with our analysis, that's why we do this podcast, and that's why you listen. <laughs> um, it, it, it is true, and it's undeniable, this one little fact, and that is this is what Tom Brady has been all about. Yeah. Right? Belief. Um, how many quarterbacks score 31 points against any team in the second half, having played as poorly as they did in the first and needing every one of those points to win a game? How many of them take them down on every possession until the kneel down um, and is able to do that in what is really a must-win situation? Look, they lose this game. All of a sudden, they got some heat coming up from behind. You know, Um, you still have teams out there that could pass – the Bucks and, and and potentially knock them out of the playoffs. Uh, they have not clinched anything yet. Minnesota and Chicago did not tie, so uh, that that did not get them in this win today uh, on Sunday. So I would say, there, look, there's never been a guy like this. There's never been a 43 year old attempt this. There's never been a guy after 21 years change his team. Um, you know, go to another team. I mean, the story the, the story is still there. Could confetti could still fall on this guy's head, right? I mean, right. we're not we're not saying it's not as possible, and and you may be right in that the Bucks are leaning a little too heavily. Their players, in particular, that hey, everything's fine as long as twelve is here, and he can't right. do it by himself. But by God, he did a lot of it by himself yes, on Sunday. And yes. you know what? If you get this guy to the postseason, 
are there many quarterbacks outside of Kansas City, which I think is absolutely in a different realm altogether with the rest of the NFL, um, and, and Patrick Mahomes? But is there another guy you'd rather have quarterbacking your team in in that situation in the playoffs? I mean, nope. He just keeps doing. He just keeps doing it. You know. He, he, and if nothing else, it'll be fun. It'll be entertaining because oh, yeah. he he is. He has provided just that kind of entertainment, that playoff entertainment for 20 years. And, and while we're on the subject of that, uh, his, uh, his former team, his former employer was formally eliminated from <laughs> postseason contention on Sunday for the first time in umpteen years. Yeah, he was. And Jared Bell, God bless him, from USA Today, was on the Zoom with Brady, got the last question, and really had two questions about the Patriots. Um, and you know, if he, if he was aware that they had, had lost their game and were knocked out of the postseason, And of course he's very aware. Um, I'm sure he scoreboards watches like everybody else. That was the big thing coming into the year. Who would do better Brady or Belichick who needed yep. who more? Well, I think it's obvious that, you know, nobody is as good a coach, including Bruce Arians, um, unless they have a great quarterback. And I can't say that at this point, Cam, Cam Newton is that for the Patriots, Tom Brady has been that. I mean, he threw, if I'm not mistaken, he now has, what, 30, 31 touchdowns for the Bucs? Oh, goodness, like I'd that. have to he's look on, it up. He's on the precipice of, 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 of setting the club record. Yes, it's north of 30. He's um, He's got 3,886 passing yards this year, and I saw the stat right when, before this podcast started. I think that's the fifth most in a single season by a Buccaneer. And wow. he could... He, with 200 passing yards in Detroit, he can move up to number two. So he can go right. to, from fifth to second in sing, single-season passing yardage with just a you know a pedestrian game in Detroit next week. Yeah, and he, I mean, for that matter, if he throws for 300 the next two weeks or even more, who knows? I don't think he's going to catch Jameis Winston's, but he'll right. certainly looks like he's on pace to definitely catch the uh, set the uh, the club touchdown record, which was set last year with 33 by Jameis and so not bad for a guy that just you know showed up after 20 years um, to a new team to move moved everything down here so again um, you know the, the Bucks were, were fortunate they're going to see Atlanta in a couple weeks that might have Julio Jones we don't mm-hmm. know who the Bucks will have in terms of their injuries because they've got to go forward not only from this week some things might pop up they hope to get Ronald Jones back from the uh, the COVID-19 list the same with Donovan Smith who was contact tracing so they managed to win this game on the road without two of their key players. That speaks to the depth that Jason Light and Bruce Arians have developed. But it was a an entertaining game, maybe the most entertaining game outside of the Chiefs and, and the Saints for what it meant um, in the NFL on Sunday. And I'm sure Matt Ryan probably doesn't want to see Tom Brady very much anymore, but uh, but he managed to do it uh, to them, and, and this time Raheem Morris as well. So... Uh, make sure you check us out all week long. We'll be uh, writing about the Bucks in TampaBay.com. We got a short week, Joey. We don't have any days off. I know that None. shocks you. Uh, there is Christmas Day. Somebody's got to mind the store that day as well. Uh, but the Bucks <laughs> play on Saturday in Detroit. So one of those rare, uh, you know, fall Saturdays where the NFL is in action. And uh, you know, we'll be back just as long it. as it's Saturday at one o'clock. That's fine yeah, by me. That's, yeah, we like those one o'clock games. There's no doubt about that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, Steve, we'll, we'll get into this uh, more with Tom Jones tomorrow. And then uh, Matt Baker, of course, uh, later in the week, Matt was at the, the Florida and Alabama game. Boy, what a shootout. What an entertaining game. I got some thoughts about that one. But, uh, uh, well, let's just talk about the games. I mean, actually. I think I'd rather you know, see that than uh, Alabama-Notre Dame. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, this was so predictable almost from the start of the season. This is why. The Big Ten played this year. They didn't care how many games. This is why they changed the rules for them. Of course, you know, Ohio State easily handled Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship, so all of their six wins could then get them into the playoffs, which, of course, it did. They didn't play well, by the way. I didn't wasn't impressed with Ohio State at all. They were losing uh, for much of that game, and, um, you know, they, able to get, they were able to get it done. It didn't cost them ultimately. Um, but then you saw what Clemson looks like with Trevor Lawrence, versus what Clemson looked like without him. And Notre Dame got rolled. Um, you know, this was an ugly performance by the Irish. Uh, Lawrence was terrific. Uh, I expect him to come out in the draft. Whether he goes to the Jets, number one overall will be up to him and his agent, I suppose. Um, but, you know, Clemson was impressive. And yet, because it was Notre Dame's first loss, because they beat Clemson early in the year, and because they're Notre Dame, let's face it, and have a huge following in their own network that televises them, um, Notre Dame is going to be in the college football uh, playoffs as well. And so this is how it wound up uh, with Alabama taking the first spot. Clemson is number two, I believe. Yes. Ohio State is three. And Notre Dame is number four. And I got to give Florida credit. It's unfortunate that they lost to LSU. That turned out to be a critical loss. I wonder, well, they ended up losing Alabama anyway, so it really didn't matter. But at the end of the day, Florida is closer to being where they want to be. They, they've made it to the mm-hmm. SEC championship now, um, but couldn't get over the hump. Their defense just has been the problem all season long. Uh, you know, Kyle Trask went toe-to-toe with Matt Jones in the Alabama Crimson Tide. It was a shootout. They were there. They were in it. Uh, they just couldn't get the stops when they needed to, um, and so they, they fall to Alabama, unfortunately for them. But uh, it was an entertaining game as, as all get out. And But I, I just I hate, Steve, the way they've done this because – your Cincinnati Bearcats went undefeated. Um, you know, Texas A&M mm-hmm. lost just one game to Alabama earlier in the well, year. Look, it was always going to be Notre Dame. Whether it, it, Had Florida beat LSU and, and, and had two losses, they weren't going to put Florida at number four either because they don't want the rematch of Alabama versus Texas A&M or Alabama versus Florida. Even though they'll tell you that has nothing to do with the top four, it absolutely does. But the, and Alabama rolled is, Texas A&M, so they weren't going to put A&M at four to see that game again. Yeah, And, and by the way, this committee – that you know, a lot of people now are questioning. Look at the semifinal matchups over the years. Most of them have been awful. They've been dogs. I mean, the yeah. championships have been great games for the most part. It's Alabama-Clemson, and it yeah. will be again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it should be. I mean, Ohio State's a good team, and they have a lot of talent. And they were short 22 players on Saturday as well, uh, including some star players. But this year they're not in the same league as Clemson with Trevor Lawrence or with Alabama. This may be the best Alabama offense they've ever had. Oh, they're great. They're great. Yep. I mean, they when you can go toe-to-toe. Now, I was impressed with Florida and what they did mm-hmm. uh, to that defense because some people have said that this is one of the better defenses Alabama yep. has ever had. 
They absolutely shredded them, and I think that Clemson will have success throwing the ball when they get to the championship against them, and I think they will. Um, but it's just their college football is broke. It's broken because there is no no hope for anybody that's not a blue blood. Um, I will I will give everybody a hall pass this year because frankly the fact that we're even talking about college football is a mm-hmm. miracle. Um, what these teams have had to endure, these players, the coaches, all of them with COVID, uh, which is just ravaging our country as we know. Um, I don't know how they played, and and I'm grateful that nobody got really sick and or died. Um, but they've made it. All their their only goal was to make it here, to make it to the Final Four. They think they have the four best teams. I don't necessarily disagree with them. But at some point in the near future, whenever those TV contracts run out anyway, um, they certainly need to start being more inclusive of some other teams because I do, I, I feel for the Cincinnati's. And one day I'd like to see Coastal Carolina get a shot mm-hmm. in Texas A&M with one loss. Um, you know, you to have the hope of an upset at least is something that I think all sports fans like. And, you know, we are stuck in a, uh, you know, in, in just a recurring, you know, show between the two dominant programs in the country, and there's no getting around it. It's Alabama and Clemson. Mm-hmm. And those two teams end up in the finals almost every year, and that's just the way it is. So I don't know how they're going to get out of it. It's going to take some, you know, well, a while. It's going to take some changes. They're but not going to get out of it because, no. as you said, you you think they got the four best teams. They got the four best teams as far as television ratings in the television contract. There you go. There you go. It's I mean, that was TV the other thing. Show. Notre Dame was always going to be number four, whether no yeah. matter how bad they lost to Clemson. No doubt. Because of television money. TV show. And mm-hmm. particularly this year, as everyone's losing money, they can't afford the television ratings to go down. That's such a great point. That's such a great point. But at least don't try to get, feed me a bunch of bull. You know what I mean? Like, just tell me this is about television, and I'll, under, I'll go away. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of people putting in a lot of effort, you know, to try to be included in this thing when, when in fact, they're not. And for everybody that's, like, you know, worried about the regular season and the importance of it, I think – I think they just demonstrated that there is no importance to the regular season. A team played six games um, and managed to make it, you know, all the way to the Final Four. So it is what it is, but uh, those are your Final Four teams. And I guess uh, some good news, too, Steve. The NHL is back. 23 days from tonight, the puck will drop on the NHL season. January 13th, the owners and players have come to an agreement. There's a temporary realignment for the season. The seven Canadian teams are in the North Division. The Lightning will be in the Central Division with Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, and Nashville. So they will play a 56-game schedule starting January 13th, wrapping up May 8th. You'll play each team in your division uh, eight times. Uh, you'll play at your arenas, so you'll, but you're only playing in your division this year. You're not going to play any other teams. So those seven teams will be the only teams they play this year. And then the, for the playoffs... The top four teams in each division make it, and you'll play the first two rounds against each other in your division. So it'll be one versus four, two versus three in your division, and then on. It's not till the conference finals, or I guess they're calling it the semifinal round since there's no conferences this year. Uh, the semifinal round will be the first time you play a team outside of your division. So wow. uh, the Stanley Cup should wrap up. Uh, the season's ending May 8th. It's about a month later than normal, so the Stanley Cup should wrap up around July 10th, 12th, you know, that, somewhere in that range. 
Uh, the NHL draft is scheduled for the 23rd, the expansion draft for the 21st, which Seattle gets their picks a couple days prior to the NHL draft. And free agency will begin July 28th. And presumably the 2021-2022 season will be back to normal, 82 games and everything, assuming uh, the pandemic is over at that point. Well, I'm glad hockey is back. I'm surprised it's come around so quickly because I, <laughs> I think I'm still sitting on the couch from the last time that they raised the cup and I haven't moved. That's what it feels like, yeah. at least. Well, training and, uh, camps begin January 3rd, although for the seven teams that didn't participate in the return to play over, you know, in July, August, September, they get to go back December 31st. So they get a few extra days. There's no preseason games this year. And then fans in the stands will be up to local teams, governments, etc. cetera. Uh, I would presume the Lightning would have fans in the stands, considering that the Raptors are having fans in the stands for games at Amelie Arena. So... Obviously, locally, the government's okay with that. I would assume the Lightning would uh, would would do that as well. So, I think you'll you'll see some limited fans. I think what the the Raptors are limiting it to thirty eight hundred in the stands, so uh, or somewhere around there at Amelie Arena for a game. So probably somewhere around there for Lightning games as well. Well, that would be great. And and listen, uh, I'm already down to go try to see the Greek Freak. That's um, big in my household, mm-hmm. of course, as you can imagine. But- yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, to the NBA. And yeah, the uh, NBA season starts this Tuesday. The Raptors' uh, h- home and season opener is Wednesday at Amelie Arena. How about that? The Tampa Bay Raptors. That's fantastic. So we're barring a team from the frozen north. But the uh, NHL, the, the Stanley Cup defense will begin January 13th, or assuming the Lightning will play that opening night. We don't know the schedule yet. They haven't unveiled that yet. We just know that January 13th will be opening night. I would presume Tampa Bay is part of the – usually they play like th- – three two to three marquee games that night uh and obviously the banner raising um a lot of people speculating it could be against chicago mm-hmm. that night to banner raise although you could put you could put dallas in the building although that's kind of mean uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it would be cold i'd rather have like boston there or one of the one of the teams yeah, well they're not going to play boston this year so uh, it doesn't matter yeah. i'd rather have them there anyway well <laughs> hang it Hang it in front of Boston. Make Brad Marchand sit there and watch it. You know, yeah, you know make the rats sit there and watch. <laughs> go up as slow as you can. It could put Columbus there. You know, you've exercised the Demons yeah, last playoff, so just that you know, go good. ahead and really exercise it this time. That would be good. But, that would put Tortorella in the building too. The only other Lightning coach to host, yeah. hoist the Stanley Cup. So a little bit of symmetry there. He can that, walk out and that could be show fun his too. Ring. But uh, yeah. so I don't know when the schedule will come out yet, but uh, presumably quickly since we are twenty three days away. Hey, while we were gone, too, uh, over the weekend, the Rays added a pitcher. They did. Michael Waka from the former Cardinals pitcher. So, yeah. And they signed Zanino, as we talked about last week. And, right. Um, so getting a little bit of uh, some of the positions they need some help in or need some more bodies in, they're starting to fill up. So still need another catcher. But Yeah, he, has, he didn't have a great year, um, uh, to say the very least, but uh, he took a, a, you know, less money than he probably could have gotten elsewhere. I think it's mm-hmm. $3 million for a chance to, to utilize the Rays' great pitching minds that have done things with veterans, like whether it's Charlie Morton and others. Um, and this guy could, could become a, a valuable part of the rotation, another experienced guy to help some of the young guys. Mm-hmm. So interesting. They're always – Always tinkering, always finding certain guys that they think would fit, and um, it, it feels like that. So we'll see how they do. All right, my thanks to Joy Knight. Um, just remember now, we're going to do a mailbag segment, so get your questions in. You can do that by uh, reaching us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, also, uh, please visit our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers. 
They got two locations. You know the original store on 4th Street North. Well, now they have a new one in Hyde Park, 1607 West Swan Avenue there in beautiful Hyde Park Village. Uh, you can go online. They got some consultations for you. They have free delivery to your door because it's, you know, Christmas is just a couple days away. You can do jewelries, rings, luxury watches, anything you need. And if you need some money for the holidays, hey, run down there to Old Northeast Jewelers. They're always buying fine jewelry and luxury luxury watches, and you can trade in uh, something uh, for a, a very new piece and have something new for your loved ones. So go see our friends, Old Northeast Jewelers, two locations, 4th Street North, of course, in St. Pete, and 1607 West Swan Avenue in Hyde Park Village. Tom Jones will join us tomorrow on the podcast. You don't want to miss that. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.